Welcome back to Mistakes Were Made, a podcast about non-monogamy for messy people like us. I'm Sarah, a queer therapist, writer, and journalist, and I'm very excited for today's topic. We're exploring mixed queer hetero relationships in non-monogamy, and I will be the queer part of the marriage in question. And I'm her husband, Alex, a communications professional, uh, and I am the straight part of that (laughs) marriage. (laughs) I guess. We're not just talking about our marriage today, though. We're talking about a lot of stuff, and we have a guest. Um, and we're also joined by Jessica Partnow, our producer. Hi, resident monogamist. Also a um, queer person married to a cis-hetero man. And today we have a special guest, Madeline, one of our best friends and fellow polyamorous queer parent, a researcher, activist, and relevant to today's conversation, a bi woman married to a cis man. Hi, Madeline. Hello. Those are all my labels. <laughs> Did I get every single you one? Get all of them. Yeah. I'm very Did I keyword you here. properly? <laughs> <laughs> now you know how to Google me. <laughs> Except not at all. <laughs> so thank you so much for being on this podcast with us today. Um, we're going to be talking about something that. Madeline and I have spent a lot of time talking about offline, which is our experience as queer by non-monogamous women um, married to dudes. There's a lot of material there. We're going to get into a lot of it. Our point of entry entry today are some screenshots that you sent me last week. Yes. So I've had the pleasure of... uh, doing some online dating over the last few years. Um, My husband and I have been non-monogamous for a long, long time, but we didn't really get onto the apps until a few years ago. Um, Anyway, there's there's one particular thread that I've seen quite a bit that sort of haunts me. (laughs) (laughs) And it's uh, queer folks on, you know, Tinder or her, the other apps that I use, talking about basically that they're not open to dating anyone who is in a relationship with a cis man. So the the most recent screenshot in question um, comes from Elle, a queer person in Seattle. If your boyfriend ain't trans, I'm not interested, is what they said. So that was something that I felt was pretty, pretty interesting. And I've seen a few things like that over the years and I've shared them with Sarah. Yeah. And since this came up, I have actually seen it more myself on the apps. And I've talked about it with a couple of other folks who are like, yes, this seems like it's increasingly a phenomenon. First reactions to that. Madeline, why'd you send that to me? What were the feelings you were having? Tell me. Oh, man. Um, well, you know, purely personally, you know, it kind of hurt my feelings, I'll be honest. Like, I've struggled over the years with my own queerness, invalidating myself, um, feeling queer enough. Um, and it really triggered a lot of that for me. And It's one of those things that I, while I totally understand it, like as a concept and why you might have a, you know, make a choice like that to sort of protect yourself for, for whatever reasons, um, you know, it's hard not to take it personally because it does just feel like such a personal hit, um, and even get a little defensive and be like, but I'm not, you know, one of those people you're talking about, (laughs) um, which may or may not be true, but I don't think I am. And that kind of <laughs> gets And into your husband's it. very nice. Yeah. So <laughs> a lot of what we're gonna be talking about today, which is that fill in the blank. Like what is all the subtext behind a statement like if your 
in a relationship with a cis dude. I don't want to be in a relationship with you. And there's a lot of it. Um, but it sounds like for you, Madeline, the first thing is like, hey, you don't know me. Also, probably a little bit, you're missing out. You should want to. <laughs> sure. You get to say that. <laughs> I do get to say that. <laughs> what about for you, Alex? Any first reactions to that? Any reactions at all? Yeah, I think my first reaction is like colored by the other experience of seeing um, people say, I'm not interested in cis men and like kind of like that, you know, like hurting my feelings a little bit um, in a way that I'm not like really going to like go to bat for because I understand why people would say that. Um, and, you know, it's not like a terribly limiting thing to have a few people online be like, I'm not in, like, that's totally fine. Um, and I, I can understand the needle that they're kind of trying to thread in still connecting with men. But um, so I guess that makes me more like me working to empathize with people who might say that about not people who are dating cis men, but people who are cis men and not wanting to date them directly. Like I can empathize with it more because of that. Um, so I guess I'm a little bit curious about like the, the, the different implication and like what, uh, because it's almost like an, an affront to the choice that you're making rather than to who you are, which is like, is that better or worse? Well, I think what, what you said brought something up for me. I think it's really interesting because to your point, yeah, if you, it doesn't affect the pool that much for you. I don't like using that word, but it doesn't take that many people out of the running for you. But I feel like this is, takes a lot of people out of the running mm. for Sarah and me as yeah. bisexual women trying to date queer people. Mm -hmm. um, like even the people who may not say it on their profile, like those are probably relatively few, but people who are queer with that approach are, it's pretty common like to not want, you know, not want to have anything to do with bisexual women, cis women, <laughs> straight white women, straight seeming white women. Um, there's, I think there's a lot there. I really appreciate you bringing that up because that gets to my reaction, which was at least they said it. That's true. Because it's something that I have felt mm -hmm. so much in dating as a bi queer woman married to a man. Just that like, I have, ha I've had people say it in the chats. I've had people say it on dates. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I thought that I might be interested and on second thought, no, like at the mention of your husband, no, at the mention of a male partner. No, I just don't. I just can't. And I, even don't. though that was apparent from the outset. <laughs> yeah. It's always on my, it's always on my profile. Right. And mm -hmm. it's interesting because the mention of your husband is not like, it's not like you're like, my husband thinks you're really cute too. Right. Oh, like God. you're like, no, my husband is <laughs> doing the dishes. Looking for a unicorn. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, my husband's out unicorn hunting. So I'm yeah. not busy right now. No. I'm on the app. Uh, <laughs> no, but it, I mean, it is like a, deep vibe out there I think as a bi woman who's married to a man that there are just a lot of people in the queer community that just don't want to deal with you yeah well and it makes it gives me this weird urge to like prove my queerness somehow like okay what can I put on my profile to show that I'm not one of those bisexuals like like I'm not questioning or I'm not confused or even if I were confused it wouldn't be a problem which we can talk about but like I <laughs> really want to get down with 
other queer folks. Right. <laughs> like this isn't an experiment for me. So that I think really lends itself to the following up on this question of who are those buys, right? Who are the ones mm-hmm. that you're imagining they think right. you are? What are you talking about, Madeline? I mean, it's funny because I, I don't really, I can't think of anyone I know like this. But I think the perception of a bisexual woman who's married, you know, married in a straight passing relationship is that, you know, she's not fully gay, not like may just want to like go on dates and flirt and make out, but like not have a real relationship or not have, you know, a real sexual or intimate relationship. Um, Or the other perception I imagine is like, hasn't had a queer relationship Mm -hmm. and so isn't familiar with how, you know, what the dynamic might be or like, you know, have, that might not have like the sensitivities or understanding of the queer experience um, to bring to the relationship. That she's a dabbler. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's interesting because it does, that's possible without the bisexual element. Like people can be dabblers in, like people could not want to date people who had a primary partner. Right. Yeah. Um, and sometimes people say that, like, I'm yeah. looking for a primary partner. I'm looking for deeper connections. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not interested if you're already married, regardless of like, you know, whether you're a man or a woman married to a man or a woman or whatever. But it seems like this is like a little bit, it feels different than that for some reason. Right. What's interesting is, Madeline, you hear imposter and we're going to get a little bit into um, this idea of like queer imposter syndrome, I guess, you hear dabbler, someone Mm -hmm. who's not serious about it, someone who is just like a a tourist in the idea of queer relationships or queer sex, someone who just kind of wants to see what might happen. Um, And maybe also a little bit someone who hasn't had to take risks Mm. for Mm. their sexuality, their identity, and in their relationships. Isn't that a storyline on the L word? People getting their hearts broken by bisexuals. I feel like... Yeah. I feel like that's... (laughs) There's definitely some episodes about that. Yeah. This, we've all seen the L word. We've all seen the L word. That is definitely a storyline. Also, the idea that buys kind of can't be trusted. Mm. They're like a little bit slutty, wishy-washy. Like they can't, they just aren't loyal in the same way, which I think is something that comes up. The thing I most often hear is, and this one, it's like, it hurts to say it, but it's the one that I think... I think of the most here is whatever kind of queer by woman you think you are. If there's a man in the room, if there's a man in the system, if there's a man, he's going to get all the attention. All the gravity is going to center around him. You know it. I know it. We all know it. Why lie? And that's the one I'm not saying that that's like the subtext, but that's what I hear. That's what I'm afraid of. Well, that's tough, too, because it's like, it's also uh, my husband and the parent of my child. Exactly. So, yes. <laughs> right. Also, because I don't have, I don't practice non-hierarchical polyamory. Like right. Like, my, my family will always come first. Right. But that doesn't have anything to do with the sex of my partner. Right. Alex. Yes, I feel like I should wait. <laughs> I feel the gravity just pulling yeah. towards you. Everybody's somehow. wondering what do We're I just think? Looking at you, yeah. wondering when when will he speak? I mean, I it, so so one thing that just occurred to me is like this is a thing 
that is at the intersection, very specifically at the intersection of non-monogamy and sexuality, right? Or orientation. Because if you're bi in a monogamous context, then you're either gonna be with a man or gonna be with a woman. And so like some of that, or be with a non-binary person, I suppose, but I don't think that's what bisexual means to most people necessarily. Could be anywhere on that spectrum, but like... We should talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But... So that, I think that's maybe where some of that, like, kind of cultural stuff about, about, like, not to be trusted, like, you could never be completely satisfied because you're in a marriage with a man and you'll always be wanting to be with women or, you know, vice versa. And that's, like, what comes up, like, in that movie, The Kids Are All, the Kids Are All Right, that we were talking about. Like, it's a lesbian family who's, like, very stable, and then, like, a man shows up, and one of them, like, has an affair with a man. And it's, like, very disruptive because it, like, breaks up the monogamy thing that they have going. Right. So, like, all of that is there, I think, in the, the narratives around um, how we think about bisexuality. But then it's not actually relevant in a non-monogamous context in the same way. But it's still Right, because you're never, you know you're never committed to one person anyway. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Before we move on, I saw your eyebrows flicker when Alex said bisexual was somehow outside of um, being non-binary or dating people who are non-binary. So I just wanted to like check back in on that. Do we want to talk about, we probably whether or not we want to, we, should. we have to <laughs> talk about the term bisexual and what yes. it means in relation to the gender binary. Yes. Um, I'm turning that over to you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, so I'm of the camp um, and Jen Winston has written about this. She wrote a book on bisexuality called greedy. That's really fun and interesting. Um, but she talks about, I'm just going to read this quote because I think it's going to say it better than I can. She says, I call myself bisexual because I acknowledge that I have in myself the potential to be attracted romantic, romantically and or sexually to people of more than one gender. Not necessarily at the same time, not necessarily in the same way, and not necessarily to the same degree. And that's a quote. Actually, it's not from her. It's from Robin Ox, an activist and writer. But, um, yeah... A lot of people call it like bi plus, mm. bi plus sexual, because it's like two or more. Um, I think for me, I do struggle with it because I don't like the idea of it being about just dating two genders. I don't think that's it. But I do think it's important for me personally to have, if I'm going to have a label, to have a label that that acknowledges that it is about gender. (laughs) Like there are certain types or certain ends of the gender spectrum that I'm not attracted to. Hmm. Like I'm not pansexual. I think of pansexual as being like someone who's attracted to someone regardless of gender. But I sort of, I I am, I do date non-binary people. I date women, I date men, but I still have types within each of those Right. Within gender. Yeah. Um, so bisexual is the best definition it, I've found for myself, but it's not perfect. But it's a term that predates the acknowledgement of yes. gender not being binary. Right? It. I think it is in popular yeah. usage. Right. Yeah. Um, and talking about it from a generational perspective is kind of interesting. 
One of the reasons why I like to call myself bisexual, I identify as bisexual and queer, but I almost always say both at once, is because bisexual was the term that I knew I was, you know, growing up in the 90s, which was when Same. the first time I heard that, yeah, and too. that I never fully <clears throat> lived and claimed. So I think there was something hmm. personal in being able to say, yes, I'm bisexual. When I, I heard that term for the first time, I was like, oh... <laughs> And so it's important to me in that respect too. I'm curious what were like the what what was like emblematic of that in your experiences or your like origin stories as identifying as bisexual. Like were there like like representations, like characters or like people or like what what was behind your awareness of that? I don't I can't remember knowing any bisexual people. I think I was the one. <laughs> First bisexual in uh, suburban first, Milwaukee. <laughs> yes. That was just me. <laughs> like, but I remember it definitely was never a question. Like, I know I've told at least Sarah this story, but like when I was in kindergarten, I had a boyfriend um, in kindergarten and I had a crush on another boy in kindergarten. And I also had a crush on the girl at church. And so I was pretty much like exactly the same person that I am today. <laughs> Like at five. At five. Like uh -huh. I have not changed. Like, so <laughs> yeah, this is something that I, I, I remind myself of whenever I question my queerness or I question like polyamory or all my choices. I'm like, no, this is, this is who you are and you've always been. Since we're talking about those bi origin stories or those queer origin stories, uh, I've been thinking about it a lot because for Halloween, I dressed up as the anarchy cheerleader from the Smells Like Teen Spirit video, Nirvana video that came out in 1993. And at first glance, I dressed up like that because my son wanted to go as Kurt Cobain. And I was like, oh, I don't want to be Courtney Love. Oh, here's another idea. We were like looking at the videos. But then as I was watching the videos, I was like, oh, I remember watching this video for the first time in the like, I can see like the beige carpet of my friend's kind of suburban home and us watching that video for the first time and the anarchy cheerleaders coming on and they had armpit hair. And I remember Ooh. my friend being like, ah, nasty, gross. And I was like, yeah, it's terrible. It's so, <laughs> so bad. So, so sexy. So, so amazingly sexy. <laughs> um, and that, that was definitely a moment where I was like, oh, I'm, I'm a, I'm attracted to girls. I'm mm -hmm. attracted to women. And it was really like bright and clear to me. But I also remember, and again, this gets into bi erasure, being on the school bus would have been a little bit before that happened. Uh, and someone threw a sandwich at my head on the school bus. <laughs> Regular Tuesday on <laughs> the school just, bus in Seattle just, Public Schools yeah, exactly. circa early 90s. And they called me a dyke. And I didn't know what that word meant. And I asked my seatmate and they were like, oh, that's women who like love women or have sex with women. And I remember having this thought where I was like, oh no, am I a dyke? Oh God, oh God. Like that just like hot Aww. terror Aww. in your stomach, right? And then I was like, no, it's okay. Cause I'm not, cause I like, I like boys. And then I was like, Phew. Oh man. You know? Yeah. And I like wonder if that's a little bit, you know, speaking of the like privilege part, I wonder if that's a little bit where the people are coming from who are just like, get these fucking, you know, I don't want anything to do with cis men, like that they feel like they've fought really hard to get out of 
an environment where stuff like that is happening right. and where they're safe. And they, a lot of I mean, those I don't know folks, you <laughs> whether it was a, it was a, a boy a or a girl, it was a cis yeah. boy, uh, <laughs> and they didn't have the experience of that sigh of relief, right? Right. When they got hit yeah. in the head with a sandwich and got called a dyke, and we're like, I'm, yeah. I am a dyke, right? I got to be like, am I a dyke? Am I a dyke? No, I like men. I mean, I like boys. I'll be fine. It'll be okay. Just focus on that, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a really or maybe point. they were like the dyke in their small town, or like the person who yeah. was identified as yeah, yeah, as such, and yeah, yeah. And then you that's can see how you would real. be like, I want to move to Seattle, and then I'm going to get on some dating apps, and cis men can get fucked. Don't want to have anything. Want and also anything. the women who love them, and the, and the women who love them. Yeah, those wishy washy right. bitches. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> wow. Wow. Madeline bringing a lot to the. <laughs> To the table here. Um, yeah. That, yeah. But, oh, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I think it's really interesting that Sarah and I both were like, well, let me make sure I prove my bisexuality here and now. Yeah. And like that is part of it too. Like combating this perception of bisexual people as being confused. Um, when, you know, if you're bisexual and confused, that's okay. Right, that's also fine. <laughs> that's also fine. And, like, Jen Winston talks about that, too. Like, if being a confused bisexual means that I am, like, introspective and asking questions and thinking about things, like, isn't that a good thing? Um, and, you know, my thought on it is, like, well, isn't queerness <laughs> – what is queerness? If Don't we have a whole section of queerness that's about questioning? Right. And, like, that's okay for everyone else except for the bisexuals? Like, <laughs> what the fuck is that? Like, You're not supposed to make a career out of questioning. <laughs> Wait, that is exactly what I've done in every that doesn't area make any of my sense. life. Wait, the idea is that bisexuals are not assertive enough in their sexuality and then the questioning is critiqued? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, a big part of, like, why bi-erasure happens uh, by, from the from the queer community side is the queer community quote erases bisexual people because it doesn't really believe bisexual people are queer. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you're confused. You're questioning. You're mm-hmm. not really queer. You're either a heterosexual straight person dabbling in yeah. queerness or you're a gay queer person pretending to be straight. Yeah. Which is like then doubly confusing, confusing then when you have the privilege question. Cause it's like, well, uh, okay, I guess I'll just go, you know, hide under this other identity that is more acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it can it can make it complicated to like come to terms with being bisexual. Yeah, it's like you're work being it's working against you on both sides. Yeah, there is this real sense of it's a moving target and you can never hit it. Um, is the way I often experience it or feel it. So. I feel like you've done a good job of explaining by erasure, but I just want to like jump in there and see if there's anything else that we want to say about that or the experience of that. I think it also gets erased. Let me answer my own question. (laughs) (laughs) It also gets erased by straight culture. Mm -hmm. And uh, Alex, you talk about this a little bit too. Your experience. The the suggestion sometimes in our marriage that my bisexuality is a kind of cover, is not real, has more to do with you than it has to do with me. Well, yeah, and I think that is related to non-monogamy, 
because it does show up a lot in non-monogamy. Like there, I think there are a lot of like straight couples and maybe this is just like what I'm seeing, but a lot of straight couples where the woman who are trying to like date together and the woman is bi and the man is straight and they want to get involved with another woman. And like we were referencing unicorn hunting earlier. I think that's what that means. It's sort of like a, I don't know if it's like always a negatively read term. It's definitely presented very negatively a lot of the time. But then also I have to see people who are like, I want to be your unicorn, you know, but I guess it's like the reason it's that term is because it's like not a th- rare, <laughs> it's rare, an, an it's enchanted a, creature. Yeah. <laughs> who poops rainbows and yes. uh, has sex with straight <laughs> couples. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know what, what to say about that exactly other than like, um, when we decided to open our marriage, I think I felt, and mostly this is probably internal, like some you being bi is like a really good, easy, like reason to give people for having done that. A vast oversimplification. An easy reason for you to give people. <laughs> yes. Sarah's <laughs> advice. And it's so weird because we're just flipping back and forth between contexts. One where, you know, you don't feel bi enough and another where being queer in uh, when you could be straight passing is like, you know, a burden or whatever. But, you know, I guess in that, in that second context, it's like, uh, yeah, it's easy for, for me, I guess, to be like, Oh, it's because Sarah's this queerdo and I, she just has to get what she wants. And, uh, so here I am on a date with you. I, I, I wish yeah. I wasn't here. <laughs> I, I'd rather, I'd rather not be here, but here I am. I like how in this fantasy scenario, I'm talking to another woman <laughs> on a date with not, I was more picturing, you know, my parents or something like that. We're not, none of us are going to get any dates after this podcast comes out. If we thought that this was going to (laughs) help. Yeah. But I guess so then like in a way, um, I kind of lost the thread a little bit, but remind me what we're talking about. Well, just this idea that it doesn't exist, right? I'm either so by that we had to open up our marriage and that's the reason why we're here. Or I'm not actually by you're just like, using that as cover to do unicorn hunting. In all right. of these cases, none of this is actually, and I have Madeline weigh in on this, none of this is about me or my actual experience. Right. No one's asking <clears throat> me any questions, right? That's a lot of projections. Yeah, I'm super curious what Zach thinks, my partner thinks about that. Have you all ever talked about it? And one of the things we wanted to talk about was your experience coming out as queer, coming out as non-monogamous, what that has or hasn't looked like for you. I think it was just always a part of our relationship. He just knew that about me, (laughs) that I was, you know, had crushes on everybody. Um, And he had to come to terms with that uh, before we even became non-monogamous. Like, even when we were monogamous, it was like, oh, there's there's one of Madeline's exes. Oh, there's another one. There, There she is. There he is. You know, and it was like, he couldn't really be a jealous person and date me. And... Um, just cause I had never, not cause I'm like a maniac, <laughs> but because I just hadn't had a serious relationship before I was with him. I lived in New York for several, six years without having a serious partner. And so you end up dating people. Um, so for me, for him, yeah, it, it just never really factored into our relationship. I feel like we had, we opened things up so slowly that like we didn't have to have these big moments of conversations about these things, um, which I think is very different than a lot of 
people's experiences that I know. Like Mm -hmm. it was over the course of years. Um, But yeah, it is something that I think about a lot in my day to day. Like the fact that dating, being queer, being poly is a really big part of my life. It's a lot of the people I spend time with. It's a lot of where my time has gone for the last several years. Like it's not, this isn't like a hobby. It's not, you know, it's not a phase, certainly not a phase. (laughs) Or if it is, it's like an eight year phase. Um, And I don't talk about it at work. I don't talk about it with my family. Um, I haven't talked to my son about it yet. I will at some point. He's just six. Um, but that's something I grapple with a lot. And that like comes back to that topic of privilege because I have this privilege that I get to hide behind. And mm-hmm. for me, it is a choice. Like this can always be a choice whether I come out or not. And I recognize like the immense amount of privilege in that, especially at work. I feel like mm-hmm. I started to hint at it a little bit though at work. Like, you know, I get my little pride background during, mm-hmm. <laughs> during pride month. And, you know, I think people, it's one of those things where I feel like if people pay pay attention, it's like you can figure it out. Um, but definitely my family, I think when they find out it will be a big shock. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm scared about that. But Which do you think will be the bigger shock and in, you know, regards to work or family, the non-monogamy or the queerness? <laughs> oh, boy. Does it matter? Are they intertwined enough that it doesn't? I don't know. I mean, I think about your experience so much with that, like when you came out to your family and it was just not what anyone expected, mm-hmm. the reaction, I feel like. Because um, in my head, I feel like the polyamory will be easier for people to process because, I don't know, people just have known me. I'm, I'm a flirt. I'm, you know, just like I said, like I never had a serious relationship until Zach and I don't, I don't know. I, f- I feel like if you know me, you're kind of like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um but but that's a big assumption, and I think people are not necessarily paying that close of attention. <laughs> so the queerness, I think, is going to like be a lot. Huh. Yeah. That's so interesting. I would think it would be the opposite, just because, I mean, probably based on my own experience of being a straight, non-monogamous person, I'm much more attuned to like the judgments of non-monogamy and that being weird. And then like here in, you know, in Seattle, in this context, we're in like yeah. people's... Uh, sexual orientation being like less yeah. of a big deal and like whatever, but I, f- and this is a big assumption, but I feel like because, you know, my husband and I have been together for so long and we have a kid and there's, I feel like there's a lot of proof that we're like pretty happy together and love each other, that people have enough history there to like look back on and think, oh yeah, you know, they're Oh, Madeline. No, I know. This is tell- You don't know what's coming for you, girl. I hand, I hand the baton now. <laughs> I, it's interesting. Big, big assumptions happening over here. I was thinking about my experience of bi privilege and these intersections in regards to exactly this. I didn't know how good it felt for the culture and my family and my community to just be rooting for my relationship to succeed until it was gone. When I was, as far as anybody cared to know or did know, straight woman in a monogamous relationship with a straight man, everybody around me wanted to see our relationship succeed. My family, uh, our coworkers, you know, it was just like, it was just this privilege I had that was totally invisible to me. You know, it just felt good to feel like you're just 
embedded in a community that wanted the two of you to stay together and thrive and be happy, right? When I came out as queer and non-monogamous at the same time, it was like someone shutting off a light. Like all of that was gone. I mean, not all of it. Obviously, like people who were close to me and cared about me didn't respond that way. But that privilege, that just kind of easy air I was breathing without even knowing it was gone. And it was, it felt really stark to me. I'm curious if you think that people who, that you got that from people who already knew that you were bi in a more abstract way, you know? Hmm. But then once it was either you were non-monogamous and or it was manifest, then they started rooting against you, as you put it. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Like, if you're like, well, she's bi, but she's married to a man and like, isn't, you know. Expressing Expressing it. it. Then that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's the sexy way to put it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so anybody want to operationalize bias with me? So this is what I'm talking about. I'm going to get all the dates. <laughs> uh, that's an interesting question. I don't know. I could, because I can't, I'm not sure I would be able to like separate out the reactions in quite that sure. way. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting to think about. All I know is now People just out in the world, my family, uh, people I don't feel like totally safe and close with, it's as likely or more likely that when I talk about my relationship, and specifically my marriage with you, they will predict our demise. You know, it won't work. Mm -hmm. This will end in divorce. You know, this mostly ends in divorce. Uh, He'll leave you for someone You'll leave him for a woman. I mean, it's just like... Because that never happens in monogamous relationships. Obviously. No. Right? We have no examples of that, culturally. But it is really interesting, just as a a stark expression of that, like, uh, privilege erasure Mm -hmm. intersection that I've experienced. Um, It just... It was like a powerful experience. Yeah. And I think all the time about folks who have been in queer relationships... Um, and out as queer and in those relationships all their lives, they didn't have, I don't know, how many years did I have of people rooting for us? Yeah, they didn't have that choice. Yeah, they never had that experience. Should we take a break? Yeah. (laughs) A a sad bathroom break. Oh, my God. (laughs) That was good. Just go into the bathroom and weep. (laughs) I'll be back. Okay, so on the break, on our sad bathroom break, the good news is we came back laughing. We went out sad, and we came back laughing. And in part, we were laughing because we were like, this is so confusing. A little bit, it's all interesting to me, and it also feels all over the place, Uh, which maybe is, if I just were to describe my sexuality, it would be like, it's all interesting, and it's all over the place. So confusing. (laughs) Um, So Jessica you've been sitting here listening to us try and make sense of by erasure, by privilege, uh, all the complexities of that when you intersect it with non-monogamy. What are we talking about? Yeah, well, well, okay, I don't, I'm not going to claim to know exactly what we're talking about, but something that <laughs> this made me think of that we haven't, or that you all haven't really talked about yet is the primacy of the penis, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I think that that's a source of a lot of this, that like, you know, 
women being in relationship with other women is kind of discounted as not real because there's no dick. And then like when men are bisexual, you know, they're just seen as like, oh, well, they're actually gay. Like, because that just sort of has the most gravity. Which is also by erasure. Right, which is also by erasure. Yeah. And just, and it's again, I mean, it's just coming back to sexuality being so defined by the male gaze, right? Or by like cis male experiences. Cis male gaze. Yeah. Right. right. Madeline. What do you think about that? No, I mean, this is like, I think this is kind of part of what I've been trying to avoid talking about. I appreciate, Jessica, you going right for the heart of the thing that I don't want to talk about. Um, Is this idea of the cultural, the very real cultural obsession with cis men, penises, all of the ways that shows up in dating in non-monogamy, in relationships. Would you be up for talking a little bit about your experience of that? Yeah. I I mean, I think part of it is like the, it's also just the structure we're familiar with. And I don't know how related that is. Maybe this is a tangent, but, um, you know, we're used to, from media, from history, from the things that were shown, like straight relationships. And so we kind of fall into that. I've, I even have queer friends, you know, who only have queer relationships who talk about struggling not to fall into those binaries in their own relationships. Right. Um, like falling into male-female type roles in their relationship or um, things like that. So it, it yes... <laughs> I don't feel like I have a lot of personal, like, stories about that imbalance in my own relationships of, like, a male, I don't know, like a relationship with a cis guy dominating my other relationships or something like that. But um, I certainly have experience with that being the easier route and that feeling like the easier way to go. And you sort of using see, using that as like a way to avoid my queerness or like avoid looking at it or avoid trying to go for that side of go for dating queer people or explore the, exploring that side of my life because um, it's harder. Right. Like it's easier to just date men. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So much easier. It's so much easier. How so? I would say on, Tell the, me more. on the front end, <laughs> it's much easier, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You mean it's easier to get into those? Yes. It's easier to yeah. get into those relationships. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that there's anything easy about being in relationships with men. <laughs> I do not want to be on the record saying that. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. That's a good distinction. Because there's not. It is actually very difficult. One of the reasons right. why I'm excited about being queer and having queer relationships is... They are also difficult, but for them to be difficult off script, for them to be difficult and challenging Uh and also fun and rewarding in different ways. But getting into relationships, much, much easier Mm. to do with men. There's also a narrative of bisexuality that's entirely defined by the male gaze, right? Or a version of it Mm -hmm. that, you know, and maybe that's where some of the erasure comes from too. Like it doesn't really exist. It's just a thing. Unless there's a man in the room getting turned on by it. Right. It's like if a tree falls Mm. in the forest. Right. (laughs) If two women make out in the forest and there's no man to watch them. (laughs) Oh my God, that sounds so hot. Please let me go to that forest. (laughs) 
Where is that for? He's like peeking through the, <laughs> the foliage. Oh. Um, I, it makes me think of a joke that my ex-girlfriend and I made all the time when we were out on dates that we wished we had like a little table tent that we could put up when we were on dates that said like, we are on a date. We are sexually attracted to each other and we have sex. Please everyone act accordingly. <laughs> right? Because it always felt like there wasn't the same. Everyone was just like, oh, best friends night out. Are you two sisters? You know, just like, this yeah. Co- and we're like, no, we're going to go home and fuck. Damn. Yeah. Once you figure out how to say that, I'm going to put it on my dating profile too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there is like that idea of just like the culture does not reinforce that it's real. You have to constantly be like sending yourself around it, fighting for it. Um, all of that. Yeah. Right. And, and then in the way that the culture does say that it's real, they're like, oh, well, it's kind of, okay, let me put it that way, it's kind of hot. Can we watch you guys when right. you go home and fuck later? Yeah, that is hot. Um, no. I mean, it, it was. It is, yeah. It is. It is. It was, it is. It yeah. continues to be. <laughs> Hopefully it will be in the future. Um, but also, I mean, that makes me think about what you were talking about earlier about, you know, I've always been aware in our relationship that you were by. Um, it's been like a thing. I would not say a thing that I thought about very much that I thought about getting into a like serious long-term relationship with you. Um, you know, it wasn't like a concern. And I just say that to say, and you would like reference it when we were monogamous, you would like reference it sometimes. And we would sort of talk about that stuff sometimes, but like not, um, it didn't feel because it wasn't operationalized as you said, (laughs) it wouldn't feel like it was super important. And I guess that just makes me think about like some of that erasure stuff and how, like, I wonder if it would be different if the roles were reversed, if I were by, you know, I think there's a thing that definitely looms for like a man in a het relationship. If he's sleeping with other men, then the culture would tell you like that relationship's in deep trouble. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's because a threat, but a woman, right. you know, dating another woman is not a threat to your relationship because yeah. of the penis. Yeah. And I think that that has shown me. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> just gonna, can we make that like a, a, a little, little soundboard button. button that we can just hit because of the penis. And I think I've <laughs> felt that in, if I could finish, please. Um, in, that's what she said. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. There's some male energy in this room, and it's not coming from me. <laughs> what you said about those spaces being of filled. The penis. Oh shit! I just said that too. Um, anyway, uh, what the fuck was I even gonna say? Uh, God damn it! I think I, we were talking about the idea that even if you were monogamous and bi, you're no less bi than someone oh, who is non-monogamous yeah. bi. And, but I was going to talk about just like watching you date both men and women since we opened our marriage, uh, the way that those two things have felt a little bit different and dating, uh, when you've dated men, like, I think I've printed, done a pretty good job of like, uh, you know, I wouldn't say containing jealousy, but like, just like processing the, the feelings that I had about it, like on my own, um, you know, because they were my feelings. And I think we talk about this a lot in, you know, jealousy being a thing that like the, the other partner is not responsible for, but can be caring for, but is like your feeling to have and to, to process. Um, but it definitely shows up less and it feels different when you're dating a man versus when you're dating a woman, or when I think about you with the man versus when I think about you with a woman, Mm -hmm. um, 
And I think you see that expressed in bigger yeah. ways in other, you know, in people's yeah, relationships. Yeah, it's not just you. I mean, people, lots of poly people have like a one penis policy or, you know, folks who are in a queer poly relationship, you know, will say, oh, well, no sleeping with cis men or, you know, people have those kinds of rules um, in their own relationships. Well, and that starts to get with, get to like some of the things that these people on the apps who are saying yeah. no cis men are, are talking about. They don't want to, there's like good reasons to not want to be fucking with cis men. Yes. Um, yes. Like there's a lot of, uh, you know, we, we can just be, be extra and be like dominating and make everything about us and like be overly controlling. And like, obviously that's all painting with a broad brush and I wouldn't like, like to consider like your husband that way or myself that way, but it certainly you are part is of a good a collective identity that is often yeah. behaves. And if you had to make a general rule, yeah. a it's a pretty good one yeah. to make, right? Like a societal structure of power. Yeah. But yeah, that's where it gets really gnarly because it's like, yeah, you have every right to choose who you do and don't have in your life. Everyone has that right. I know queer people who don't have any cis men in their lives. And that's a choice they make. I have no queer people who are like, I only hang out with queer people. I'm not comfortable being in spaces that aren't queer spaces anymore. And I don't have to be. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's totally fair. Um, so, like, it's really hard to hold that feeling of, like, yes, that's totally fair. And know that, you know, I, my, my life, you know, it breaks that rule. Mm -hmm. And, like, those people may not want to you know, associate with me if, if they also extend it to their partners, right. um, which, you know, obviously not everybody does. Obviously, you know, I've dated queer people who kind of live their life that way. They dated me. I think it was okay. Um, <laughs> we, we hope. <laughs> Please send your comments. I mean, yeah. to <laughs> Call in. I, I mean, I certainly felt very self-conscious in those early re queer relationships, like about, you know, my sort of straight passing privilege and about my life being sort of on the face, very conformist and traditional because mm -hmm. it looks that way. I'm married mm -hmm. to a man and I have a kid and, and I have a job and whatever, but like, that's not what's actually happening. Um, but I, I think what I was trying to get to with that is like people like, where's the line yeah. where it becomes okay for people to make those choices for other people? Like, at what point does that become gatekeeping? Or at what point is it just, like, protecting themselves? And that's really hard to say. Right. And there's a lot of hurt in yeah. all of those questions, in both of those questions. Um, I, I was thinking about that because as we were coming back to this phenomenon on the apps and the screenshots that you set me and where we open this episode, I'm realizing, okay, what I hear there is that people have been really hurt. They've been really hurt by cis men. They've been really hurt by patriarchy. Yeah. Um, and they don't want to be hurt like that anymore. And they have every right to protect themselves against it and to make their own choices to protect themselves against it. Um, and that hurt is just very real. And then it also gets complicated because you ask yourself, but, but, and maybe it's an <laughs> and, and when you're saying you won't 
consider dating someone who is in relationship with cis men, the person that you're actually attacking, not attacking, the person that you're like protecting yourself from is not the cis man as much as it is in this case, let's say the bi woman, right? Um, you know, we talk about like in comedy or whatever, are you punching up or are you punching down, right? And that has to do with like who has more power in this situation. And obviously the cis man has the most power in that situation, but are you really punching the cis man? <laughs> you know, in a way, the person you're punching is the person who is in relationship yeah. with the cis man. Another, que- another yeah. queer person. It's another yeah. queer person. Yeah. yeah. And so I, it's like, it's hard to hold both of those things at once. I'm really just struggling with it in this yeah. moment. Yeah. And both feel very true to me. Yeah. And I mean, for me, like, I have such a philosophy in my whole life, not just like in queerness or in polyamory of, you know, bringing everyone along. And like, if we want to make this, make the future better and like make society better, we need to, everyone needs to be a part of that. And so to me, you know, part of being queer is like getting to be free and getting to be exactly who you really are. And that gatekeeping mentality isn't that does not represent queerness to me like that does not represent freedom or liberation for everybody like you know for better or worse like if we say that everyone gets to be free everyone gets to be free even the cis men get to be free and actually like it might be better for everyone if the cis men get to be free as long as they're not hurting anybody because then they will in turn free other people so it's like this weird you know I get stuck on this all the time and um I don't really know what to do with it, but <clears throat> it's super interesting. It is. And one of the things we're learning, and maybe this is a good metaphor for being bi, right? Like not solidly falling in one camp or the other, but mm. having a lot of intersecting uh, experiences, especially with sexuality. Um, all of that is true. We all benefit the more people who are free. Cis men yeah. also need to be free. Also, And the you- bi wives who want to dabble... <clears throat> and they the get to be free. Need to be free. And people need to feel safe. Yeah. And they don't ha- need to be free first, maybe. Right. <laughs> maybe people need to feel like safe and protected first. And maybe yeah. what that looks like is different for different people. People get to opt into the work that they do and who they do it with uh, as well. Like, I think there is something there worth saying, too. Yes. Yeah. And I think, like, you're. Uh, you know, I, th- I think this is like some of it is sort of political, but, you know, you there's, there's, yeah, <laughs> I mean, obviously it is. But it's also personal. And maybe like what you're articulating is that by being in real, like both of you are in relationship, like you love men, like specific men, um, maybe men in general too. But, uh, and so like you have this bridge between... Mm. That's you know, between point. those two worlds in a way where you're not comfortable and like almost like you're being indicted for that love uh, in this political way that the people who are indicting you for don't know mm. your husband, don't know me, don't realize how great and sensitive <laughs> I am. <laughs> no, sorry, I can't help myself. But like they so it that would it feels really bad. But also you're in this unique position to be able to like bridge those two worlds. And like, I could see how it would be hard to say like, oh, we don't want those worlds to be completely divided and mm-hmm. like 
you know, you, you're kind of left out of both of them in a way. Yeah. And it also feels meaningful to say that I have a son. Right. Right. Yeah. And so my life and love is forever intertwined with men, at least as long as he continues to identify that way. Well, and he says stuff, I can see in our children, an interest in like, I think all of our children at different points, regardless of like their, you know, so clearly they didn't, they, many of most of them don't really like, haven't thought super deeply on this, but they're attracted to being non-binary and like exploring like different, Mm. you know, gender expressions and stuff like that. And it feels good to them to be able to like move in and out of them. And I think that is maybe, you know, our son, like he shows up being pretty fucking masculine, really, um, like in his in his vibe, I think. But uh, in some of his vibe, in some of his vibe. Yeah. <laughs> He's my little bruiser. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but what I but I guess what where what that's making me think of is that, like, there are a lot of men who don't feel that comfortable in cis male spaces quote unquote either and the same Mm, way they don't feel good to queer people and the queer people are trying to get away from them we would like to get away from them too but they're also like a part of us and we sort of define them and then this becomes this like weird thing like like you were saying Madeline like how can we like liberate everybody I can see how it feels really good sometimes or easier sometimes to just be like y'all can fuck off and like that is fair legit but also you know and You know, to that point, our son speaks freely about having crushes on people of all genders. You know, back to what you were talking about in your your first crushes. Kindred spirit. Mm -hmm. My son will not admit that a crush could ever be possible. (laughs) That he could ever have a crush. A disgusting thought. Yeah, Yeah. horrific. (laughs) I did want to say, I forgot to mention earlier, like, I think this is important, um... I am not out to my son as poly. I am out, very out to him as queer. Yeah. And mm. bisexual. Right. I don't think I made that distinction. Yeah. Um, and we talk about that all the time. Yeah. And it feels like a different conversation. Yeah. Um, with kids. It's a, sure. it's a different level of protection for him that I want him to have at school or when these conversations come up. That's the main concern. I think that's just an important thing to call out. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So what about the mistakes? Sorry, I cut you off. You were saying something, though. No, I was just thinking about, I'm like, we need to do a third episode about talking to kids about non-monogamy because there's just so much material there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The mistakes. Alex. Yes. (laughs) Mistakes. Have I ever made them? (laughs) No. Uh, I think I can see some of that kind of toxic stuff that people are trying to avoid in not getting involved in a relationship constellation that includes cis men. It's easier for me to feel like I want to insert myself into your relationships with women as opposed to with men. Like when you're dating a man, I'm just kind of like, Oh, that's nice for you. Good. Don't tell me too much about it. Have fun. Uh, And then when you're dating a woman, I'm like much more like, you know, just like, kind of like empathetic and interested in that. And I'm like, what's going on? I can just feel that like a closeness in the one direction and an openness in the other direction. And like, I think that probably does translate. Mm -hmm. Like you probably feel that even if I'm not like, you know, bring your girlfriend over and let's have a threesome with her or whatever. Um, (laughs) You know, which might be the, just to like articulate the most kind of like 
problematic energy that I could be bringing, maybe just like You're being. Like, Bring your girlfriend over. Let's make an album together. Yeah. Well, you know what? <laughs> Everybody consented to that. Okay. So uh, I'm not even sure it was my idea. But yeah, <laughs> so that, size. that's a thing to like to for me to 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 think about and like, I don't know, try to try to like figure out a little bit more. Like, why does that feel so easy that I'm just like, oh, yeah, I want to like be it's easy to be the man in uh, a, r- a relationship of women or like in a all woman space. And like you get to like flex this power that you have in a really like more passive way. Um and it's easy to, I think it's easy for me to like forget the space that I'm taking up or like the, you know, or just to like be like, oh, I don't have that power. We're just all friends here or whatever. And this isn't a, that's not a thing, hmm. even when it might be a thing. Yeah. Sarah, you had talked about wanting to share your own experience with that being on the other side. Yeah. Do we still want to do that? Or, uh, <laughs> do it. Do it. Are we, well, we passed it. You know, I I do think, like, it's worth mentioning that I've had the experience of, like, the strong gravity of relationships with men kind of in all directions. I have felt the pull towards men, and, like, we've talked about how much easier it can feel, like, to date them. Um, And, of course, like, the gravity of the relationship that we have, Alex, which is also a primary relationship, and we're co-parents and all of that. Um... And I've also had the experience of dating a woman who was dating men and that feeling of like the gravity, gravitational pull of those relationships and the complex feeling of like sometimes being disappointed by that or hurt by that, but also deeply understanding it because I also have experienced it in that direction. Um, It's really, that's like one of the hardest one of the toughest parts of this to talk about is that like the, the power of like men, their attention, their gaze, um, their commitment, that that feels like such a cultural prize. Mm. Um, and even if you intellectually understand that and can see it, it doesn't mean that you can extract all the ways you've internalized it. And that is also not my fault and not the fault of other bi women. Um, And it's still very hurtful. And that also does so much work to make me understand why people would put that on their profiles. Right? No Mm -hmm. men. No cis men. Yeah. Right. When I think about the mistakes that I've made, I mean, I feel like I just talked about one um, in a way, but you were talking about like queerness as the freedom to really truly be who you are and like inhabit that. And that is like, that is the promise, the aspiration of queerness for me too. (laughs) And part of that is not letting other people define it or this sense that, you know, you have to meet some bar or only engage in certain kinds of behavior and not others uh, to really be that. And again, those are messages that are easy to internalize um, and hard to extract. But I think that that is, that's a mistake that I have made if we want to frame it that way. And it is the title of the podcast uh, <laughs> around my queerness is I, I keep waiting for someone to be like, yes, you're queer enough. Right. And that's not going to happen. 
I mean, I think we just spent an hour and a half talking about how that's not going to It happen. happened to me. It can <gasps> happen to you. It did? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sarah, you, you are hella queer. You're so fucking queer. I don't even know how to, what to say about it. You heard it here first, people. <laughs> and uh, I, I hope that you also receive the gift of that feeling or that sentiment from partners. Um, I wish that it, that weren't the thing that were so validating for me, but it did happen and it was very validating. Yeah. Um, but yes, Thank you. That, is, <laughs> that is related to my mistake. Very similar vein, I feel like. Um, and it's, it's funny to me that this is the mistake that I would share because I feel like a lot of people, because I've been poly for so long, the thing that people that know about it, they come to me and they're like, well, you always have like done this right. You know, like you, you know, have been doing this for so long and you guys do it so well and it's so chill and you don't fight and blah, blah, blah. And I'm always like, I mean, it gets messy. What, whatever you say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I wish I had like a juicier mistake related to this topic, but... Um, Just to silence the haters who think yeah, that you yes. have a, a stable, non-conflicted relationship. Yes. <laughs> That's all. Like um, that. But no, I just, I feel like I just completely invalidated myself for years and I didn't even give it a chance. And like, because of people saying stuff like that on the apps, you know, like it would really discourage me. Like even if I would match with someone, like I wouldn't reach out to them or I wouldn't really try. Like I would sort of let it fail. <laughs> I would let my queer relationships fail. And even right. if I started dating someone, you know, I kind of would self-sabotage and I feel like I wasn't, I don't know. I just, I didn't believe that, that they were really into me or that I was queer enough for, for them or whatever. Um, so I just feel like there was a lot of self-sabotage for a long time. And I really, the only mistake was like me standing in my own way. Um, and now, you know, in the last couple of years through, you know, a lot of thinking through it and, and talking to people about it and a very adorable group from Sam, <laughs> uh, who I think maybe you brought in for some of your articles or something, uh, from a, a polyam, uh, educator on Instagram who does these these uh, group like it's almost like group therapy. Yeah, it's shrimp teeth, right? Yeah, shrimp teeth. Mm -hmm. um, they do like queer polyam people in straight passing relationships. Mm. I was in a group of just those people. There were like ten of us. Oh, interesting. And it was incredible. Um, so validating. And that was really like our conversations. That was when I realized I was like, oh my God, I'm the only problem is me. <laughs> like, this is so clear. And I feel like it, it like totally broke things open for me. And now I've really been like giving queer relationships a chance and giving myself a chance. And like, it's just been such a gift. Like I feel, I feel so lucky for the relationships that I have. And like, I don't, I certainly don't think that anyone who's in relationship with me is like, oh, what a nightmare. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I wish she had never accepted her queerness so she could be in a relationship with me. <laughs> so. No, all those people are very lucky. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's been a journey. I mean, we should also be free to be whatever kind of nightmare we want to be apart and separate from our sexuality, right? <laughs> well, as long as you're not harming anyone. Sure. I'm just saying, like, you could be a terrible person to be in a relationship with, and that wouldn't make you... Have anything to do with being would, bi. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like a really important qualifier. Yeah, I really want to nail this down. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
That's great. I mean, and it's exactly your point, which is no one can really tell you that you're queer enough because it's about you knowing that you are. Yeah. Right. And when you do, um, you get closer to being able to access that feeling of really being yourself. Yes. Okay. On that note. (laughs) Speaking of. Um, At some point, hopefully in 2022, possibly in early 2023, I will be hosting a happy hour called Queer Enough. And it will be open to anyone who wants to go to a queer happy hour. Anyone. And I really hope that it can be about, um, you know, creating a welcoming space for people. As we said, creating a welcoming space for people doesn't mean you get to be an asshole. Like there will be no co-opting at this, you know, at this get together. But I really hope we can like kind of create a space where, you know, bisexual losers like Sarah and me (laughs) and maybe. And the people who love them. And the people who love them. (laughs) And maybe some like people who are questioning their queerness or aren't sure about it. Um, can find space and like people who are hella queer and they're, you know, living the totally queer life can also hang out and feel safe. Um, and we can just really create some community around that. Cause I'm, I've been feeling like that's missing uh, in my life at least. For sure. Are you sure you don't want to rename it bisexual losers? <laughs> <laughs> Cause I really feel like that's got legs. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm still stuck on the idea of, uh, fluts. <laughs> Oh, fluts. That's right. That's what sluts a, with a lisp, if you didn't catch it. <laughs> called that? There's a meme that's like, like, like whispers to myself, flut. I'm, I'm in my flut phase as I curl up and put in my retainer for the oh. night. <laughs> right. And like those kinds of, you know, yes, that kind of slut that you're like, I'm a slut, but I really, I just love reading my book. Thanks for doing that, wanting to do that, Madeline. Thanks for coming on the podcast yeah. today and having this conversation. It was, it was so fun. one that I have wanted to have on the podcast since we started the podcast. So. Yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Mistakes Were Made. Uh, you can find us on email and especially on Instagram. Um, feel free to send us reactions to this uh, conversation because I think there are a lot of uh, perspectives that we probably didn't hear or weren't able to, to really highlight based on our experience. Um, if you like the podcast, help us spread the word. Tell your friends. Give us likes and follows, and uh, we will see you in a couple weeks with another episode. We're not sure what it's going to be about yet, but we have a lot of good ideas. Well, I'm sure that we'll make some mistakes between now and then. <laughs> Definitely. I'm planning on Come going and making material. one right now, right after we finish recording. <laughs> <Actually>. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Later. Bye. See you then.